Hello and welcome to Interfilm Recommends, a regular podcast for film club leaders to explore excited new titles with their clubs. My name is Michael and for today's secondary theme podcast I'm joined by Joe. Hello. In which we'll be discussing two films, Lion and La La Land. So let's kick off with Lion. I'm starting to remember. Saru, a beautiful boy. Life I'd forgotten. I had another family, a mother. A brother. I can still see their faces. Let's uh, start with where you're from. Calcutta. Which part? I'm adopted. I'm not really Indian. Lion is a PG certificate, and we have it at 11 plus on the catalogue. It's a drama based on the true story of a young Indian boy who gets lost from his family and adopted by an Australian family. Years later, as a young man, he retraces his steps in an attempt to find his birth mother. So the film is pretty much divided into two separate parts, featuring a younger and older Saru. Uh, how do you think it handles this, and what are the strengths of each part of the film? We first meet Saru when he's about five, and he's living with his uh, with his mother and his brother in um, a rural village in India. The older brother has to go out and find work, and one day Saru follows him, and he follows him to a local train station and becomes separated from his brother. Saru doesn't really know what to do, and he's feeling a bit cold. He gets on board a local train and falls asleep, and he ends up 1,600 miles away in Calcutta, which has got a completely different language to what he's used to, and he doesn't know anybody, and he's totally scared and bewildered, as you Mm. can probably imagine. Then we deal with um, Saru trying to navigate the streets and he encounters various dangers. It's really quite scary, frankly, a lot of these sequences because you really get a sense of how small he is in Mm. this huge, vibrant metropolis. It's really terrifying to watch. Eventually, he is adopted by a family in Australia and we cut to years later when we have a grown-up Saru played by Dev Patel and that's where the second part of the film kicks in. This Saru is a very typical Western young man. You know, he's into surf and he's into studies and partying and he has seemingly forgotten about his past in India. But one day at a party, he tries some Indian sweets and that kind of awakens this repressed memory in him about this past and it sets him on a path to try and discover what happened. And what he does is he uses Google Earth to kind of retrace those steps because he's got no idea where his village is, where he came from, no idea where to start in trying to find his family. So then the film becomes, you know, this process of him trying to track down his family. And it's actually incredibly cinematic and it's very, very moving. And it's dealt with very, very sensitively. One of our young reporters, Christian, also saw this film recently. And here's what he had to say on Lion. I'm Christian. I've just seen Lion. And I thought it was an incredible story. In many ways, it's stranger than fiction. Uh, It's one of those stories that you don't hear every day. And although... The film does have a couple of issues in streamlining the relationships that Sheru has with his mother, his girlfriend, his brother. The use of location and technology is really well integrated in creating this experience that is not only seeing through the eyes of a child, but also seeing an adult man trying to grasp onto these recollections and trying to look back in order to piece together this puzzle. And ultimately, I walked out incredibly moved um, and deeply sad. And I think it's a real gut-wrencher. And I think you should definitely go and see it. 
What element of the film contribute most, do you think, to making it such an emotional and powerful story? I think the key element with that really is the performances. So we've got Dev Patel as the older Saru and Sonny Parwal, as we mentioned, as the younger Saru, who is really extraordinary. You've never seen a young child perform quite like it, really. It's an incredible role. And he'd never acted before, which is really remarkable. You've also got lots of other familiar faces in there, so people like Nicole Kidman and Rooney Mara, who both did really fantastic performances. The other thing is, it's a remark. you know, we touched on that it's a true story, but it's really quite astonishing that this actually happened. And I think that awareness really plays into how you react emotionally to the story as it plays out. It's incredibly immersive as well. It's terrifying to watch this boy on this train and struggling in the streets of Calcutta. It's really like you're there with him and you feel lost. Or you also feel slightly helpless watching it because you just want to do something Saru's relationship with his adoptive parents is also handled very sensitively and interestingly in the film, particularly with the mother, Nicole Kidman, who has her own very kind of dynamic story arc that plays out throughout the narrative. And that comes across in this clip in which Deb Patel talks about working with Nicole Kidman and her personal connection to the story. Nicole Kidman plays Sue Briley. She adopted Saru as a five-year-old and she was just an absolute joy to work with. Is it Mommy and Dad? She's done countless amount of movies and is just a superstar. You forget that when you're acting with her because she loses all of that and has created a new history. I met with Sue herself and I just thought she was really special. She's got such a unique way of looking at the world. So this is where you've been? I was very honoured to be asked to play her, actually. I would say, ultimately, the film is so much about the power of mothers, whether they're biological or adopted, and the need for a mother and the way in which we can all mother different people at different times. So for fans of Lion, uh, what would you watch next? Um, I think... An obvious connection to this film is Slumdog Millionaire. It's a slightly older film, that. It's a 15 certificate, but it shares a lot of that DNA. If you're interested in stories of kind of young people experiencing Indian culture and views of Indian life and that kind of thing, I would really encourage you to watch films like I Am Callum or The Crow's Egg or another film called Gatu. And it also has that sense of a little boy lost, which, you know, is played out in something like AI. So I think there's loads of ways you can go with this. Yeah, and one other one I would throw in is... My Life as a Courgette, which you may have heard about. It's a lovely stop motion uh, and it also deals with similar themes around adoption and unconventional family units in a, in a really lovely way. Okay, so let's move on to our second film of the episode, which is La La Land. La La Land is a 12 certificate. We have it at 11+. plus. And it's a nostalgic, dreamlike musical which sees two aspiring artists attempt to make it in Hollywood amidst a whirlwind romance. Here's a clip from towards the beginning of the film which sees Mia, played by Emma Stone, attend a series of increasingly ridiculous auditions. I don't like the Fisher on the GT scan. Did you test for a chromatopsia? DOA on 23rd, perp laughing his face off at the PD. Damn Miranda writes. This is my classroom. You don't like it, the door's to my left. Lady, why you be tripping like that? No, Jamal. You be tripping. 
Okay, Joe, how does the film blend fantasy and reality? Well, the director, Damien Chazelle, has described La La Land as an old-fashioned musical, but grounded in reality where things don't always work out. And I think that sums it up quite nicely. It does take place in this kind of heightened reality where people burst into song and dance, which, you know, harks back to the traditions of the musical genre and it's part of what we all love about them. But it's also set in this recognisable world um, where people are struggling to make the rent and you know, they're just, you know, trying to make it as an actor and all of these kind of very recognisable qualities. Los Angeles is a big part of this, so it's a city of dreamers, or at least that's how it's portrayed in the film, mm-hmm. and it's where everybody wants to be a star, and that kind of infuses itself, I guess, into the spirit of the film and the look of the film, so it's got this very vibrant, colourful intoxicated look to it but also something that feels quite real and quite contemporary as well so it's a very interesting balance we've got a brilliant review from billy one of our young reporters and he talks really passionately here about the film and why it worked so well for him hi i'm billy and i'm talking about la la land which is a romantic modern day musical with original songs and is a film that really shouldn't have worked but it ended up being one of the most overwhelmingly beautiful experiences i've had in a cinema and it's more than deserving of the acclaim it's received. One of the greatest things about the film is the direction from Whiplash's Damien Chazelle. The way he uses the camera to follow the characters is fantastic, using soaring long shots like in the opening sequence, which sets a high standard for the rest of the film. Chazelle makes the film gorgeous to look at, and though he undeniably romanticises Los Angeles, it never stops being grounded in reality. La La Land isn't just a pretty movie, however. It's the execution of the story that really makes it. The screenplay never gets dull and takes its time to flesh out the characters, played wonderfully by Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, so that we deeply care about what happens to them in the end, which is one of the most poignant and heartbreaking endings I've ever seen. Finally, the music, which seamlessly changes from upbeat to melancholy in a heartbeat, is unforgettable, with my personal favourite songs being Another Day of Sun and City of Stars. Overall, La La Land is a beautiful and lovingly crafted piece of cinema that acts as an escape from reality and is one of the best films I've seen in ages. So Joe, how do the music, the visuals and the choreography combine throughout the film to tell the story so well? Well, what I think they do is they combine to do what the best musicals are fantastic at, which is kind of sweeping you off your feet. Mm. And that's really apparent, particularly in the opening number, um, Another Day of Sun, which takes place on a Los Angeles freeway and involves hundreds of people all stuck in their cars, as people always are in Los Angeles, and just bursting into song. And it's done incredibly vibrantly. One of the things that the film does throughout its musical numbers, actually, is present them as single takes. They're not actually single takes. There's a little bit of editing in there. But that gives them an energy and a momentum that really kind of carries the film, I think. So the film is very much encouraging you to go back and look at the work of people like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and films like Top Hat. But it's not got that veneer of perfection that you see in those films. It's a bit more grounded, I think, and that comes across in the choreography. And we actually have a behind-the-scenes clip of choreographer Mandy Moore, Emma Stone and cast member Sonoya Mizuno talking about the choreography involved. The training of Ryan and Emma was a whole nother beast, you know, because it's not only are you choreographing a film, you're going to train the main actors how to dance. We did lots of preparation with Mandy Moore, learning to tap dance and learn jazz and ballroom. We 
had dance rehearsal every day for about two or three months before we started shooting. When we got a good take, everyone knew it worked and it just felt really magical. So for fans of La La Land, what else would you recommend? What really comes across in La La Land is a love of cinema. So I think if you do enjoy this film, what I'd really encourage you to do is go back through the musical genre and see the films that influenced Damien Chazelle and the making of this. So something like Top Hat, which I mentioned, but also Sitting in the Rain. The films of the French director, Jacques Demy, who um, had a particular influence on La La Land. So films like The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, I'd recommend people seek out. Um, right through to the more contemporary musicals like Moulin Rouge, or even Chicago, and just see how the genre has evolved over the years. It's a really fascinating process, and we've got a blog on that on our website as well. So I'd encourage you to read that. Um, and also go back and have a look at um, Damien Chazelle's previous film, Whiplash, which is extraordinary. It's another film about music, this time about jazz music. It's a riveting, very intense drama centred on this relationship between a young student and his teacher. It plays out in fascinating, gripping ways, and um, I'd really, really urge you to see that. Another great uh, film about Los Angeles is Tangerine, shot on a micro-budget, and it shares that colour palette with La La Land. So that's for slightly older members, but I'd really recommend that one. That's everything for today. Thanks for listening, and do check out all of our previous podcasts on SoundCloud, all of which are accompanied by film guides, film lists, blogs, and video content. All of the films we've discussed today, including La La Land and Lion, are available to order on the Interfilm website now, so do log on and order those. If you're also interested in primary content, we have a new podcast episode, which is all about the Lego Batman movie. We will be taking a short break over the summer, but we will be back with new episodes in September, so tune in then. But meantime, it's goodbye. <laughs>